commonly called the Songs of Degrees or Ascents and they were sung by the pilgrims we believe as they made their way to Jerusalem at the yearly feasts and it's believed by certain ones that the Levites on certain steps going up to the temple sang these songs as well 
Well, tonight we come to song number 12. And it affords great help as the people of God make their journey towards the heavenly Jerusalem. But there is humility set forth in the song. And humility is a great aid to us in walking the way to heaven. But also hope, the third verse, let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. We can place our Lord, our hope in the Lord. And that is a great help as we make our way to heaven. But the psalmist in this psalm sets forth his humility, but also his resignation, contentment, and hope. He makes known his humility and that he was reconciled to the state that the Lord had placed him in. Just notice that at the beginning of the sermon tonight. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or things too high for me. He's reconciled to the state the Lord has placed him in. Well, it is a psalm of David, as we notice, a song of David. A song of David, and David is the subject, particularly in this psalm. See, Spurgeon wrote, it is both by David and of David. He is the author under the inspiration of the Spirit, and he is the subject of it. Now, David penned this psalm on a certain occasion, but not certain when precisely but it is believed by some that it was in his younger days as an answer to Saul and others who thought him to be a proud ambitious man but David begins by setting forth his humility but then at the end of the psalm we consider the hope he had in his heart and that's which he exhorted others to have as well and it's those two things I'd like us to consider tonight, humility and hope. Humility and hope. Humility in our walking. And as we walk, let us place our hope in the Lord. First of all, humility. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. My heart is not haughty. We have this word, haughty. At the root of the word, it means to soar, to be lofty, to exalt, to make oneself higher. There's a lifting up. There's pride. One rises up to a great height in this sinful way of pride. One lifts himself up. I'm better than others. Oh, what a man or woman I am. And when we think of one that is haughty, pride has arisen in the soul. Now, pride has such a grip on unconverted men. They will not bow the knee to the Lord. We're told at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And on that great day, every knee shall bow. But oh, that they would bow before that day. Yet so many will not bow. Psalm 10 verse 4, the wicked through the pride of his countenance will not seek after God. God is not in all his thoughts. Look what pride is done. They will not seek the Lord. 
Self-righteousness, pride is a great plague that grips the soul of so many. We meet men and women, boys and girls who say, I do not need the Lord. I do not need to worship him. The Puritan Thomas Manton wrote, this is certainly pride, for it is a lifting up of the heart above God and against God and without God. How solemn that is for a man to believe they do not need God. But then further to think they know better than God. What pride. And what pride prevails in the hearts of so many in this country. So many say I do not need God. I was at a funeral service this afternoon and as I looked out I saw certain ones not happy. I knew that they did not think, they did not think they needed the Lord. And that's what many think. They do not need the Lord. In Proverbs 30, verse 12 and verse 13, we read, this is, There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. A generation, well, we live in such a generation. I do not need the Lord. We have some solemn words, well-known words, but solemn words in Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that is fulfilled again and again in the hearts of unconverted men and women. And one day they die in their sins. What a fall it will be at death. Pride, it affects so many. Sadly, pride can affect the believer. That which is offensive to the Lord, as we see in Proverbs, can affect the believer. There is still indwelling sin within. We've been delivered from the bondage of sin. We're no longer the servants of sin. You can read of being a servant of sin in Romans chapter 6. But we're no longer a servant of sin, servants of sin. We belong to the Lord. The Lord is our master. We've been delivered from bondage, justified, and we never find ourselves again under condemnation. We're saved, but we weren't made perfect. And after coming to faith in Christ, we soon realized we needed to say sorry quickly to our Heavenly Father. We sought him. And we knew that judicial forgiveness, but we knew the sin still within, and we needed to seek him as a father. Oh, there is the battle. Be thankful when you are aware of the battle. The concern ought to be further if we're not aware of the battle in our lives. Because there's an enemy within. There's indwelling sin. And sadly, pride can see <coughs> Shoot up like the weeds that appear in the garden. Oh, we must work hard. We must battle hard. Oh, we must say no again and again to the pride that is within. We can be taken up with ourselves. What we think, what we do, what we say. Sadly, pride can affect the Christian in religious exercises. In prayer, in singing, in listening to sermons, pride can arise. In these blessed things, suddenly pride can arise 
in that hour. We can be listening to a sermon and suddenly we can think about someone else. Ah, not as bad as them. This sermon's for them, not me. Pride can arise in our hearts. Pride can arise when we're in the means of grace. Pride can dominate a conversation. Satan can tempt us and whisper in our ear, say it. And you know you shouldn't say it, but you hear the whisper, say it. How many things can start out well, yet then can be tarnished by pride. Oh, the grace of humility, meekness, needs to daily be cultivated within. And we need to pray to the Holy Spirit that he would blow across the garden of our souls. That the graces would be moved within. There would be faith, love and meekness. Oh, to be more like Christ. Now we need to have godly, spiritual, low thoughts of ourselves. We need to be able to come to a point and say with the psalmist, Lord, my heart is not haughty. It's not haughty. It's not exalted. It's not proud. Nor mine eyes lofty, not lifted up in pride. See here the psalmist, he is a humble man at this moment, engaging in prayer. My heart is not haughty. Now just consider these words are to be read. And these words are to be certainly sung to the Lord. We're coming to the Lord. Lord, my heart is not haughty. And when we focus on this, we are to be able to say it to the Lord. Humility as we come before the Lord now. No place for pride. Lord, my heart is not haughty. We're to seek to sing these words or read these words in sincerity and from a humble heart. And if there be pride within, we need to humble ourselves before we say this to the Lord in prayer or in song. It may be we come to these words and what do we have to do first? And we know it in our hearts at times. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And then, Lord, my heart is not haughty. We seek forgiveness. And then we come and sing to the Lord. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Just notice the previous psalm. Verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who shall stand? See the humility there, the psalmist. Who shall stand? In view of pride, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. And we sing that psalm. And then we can sing this psalm. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Oh, be aiming to sing these words to the Lord. Be aiming to read these words before the Lord. Make it your prayer. Lord, my heart is not haughty. Thou who art the searcher of my heart. Who knows the very most innermost place of my soul. Who knows all my thoughts together. Lord, my heart is not haughty. Do you see the humble heart in action here? Lord, my heart is not haughty. 
or look to the Lord Jesus Christ, how we need to be often at his feet, learning of him. Remember those words again? He's not only the teacher, but he is the lesson. Matthew 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Oh, to look to him. You know, when pride arises, we can say this, we've forgotten the lesson, haven't we? And we've forgotten the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we have many a lesson to learn at the feet of the Master. Jesus says, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. Oh, let us be there, humbly looking to him with an open ear. Lord, my heart is not haughty. There's times when we need to get on the ground. We need to humble ourselves. We need to be on the ground. It's the best place to be. Why on the ground not lifted up in pride? Why on the ground? Because there we come to the feet of Jesus and we learn of him. When we get up as it were, and pride arises in our hearts, we're not at the feet of Jesus in that spiritual way. Oh, to get down on the ground. And there we are, at his feet, looking up to him. Never higher than the feet of Jesus is our prayer, isn't it? Lord, my heart is not haughty. Well, let's consider further evidences of the humility in the heart of David at this time. Firstly, note the words following on, Nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. He did not seek to employ himself in things that were above him. He was content to live in the station that the Lord had placed him in. If these words were penned by him in view of Saul and others who thought him to be an ambitious man, we see here the humility of David. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. He was content. He was not desirous of human greatness and glory. No, there was a contentment. And it's a blessing, isn't it, there at the feet of Jesus, content, not desiring some human greatness or glory, but that the Lord would be glorified in our lives. He was content with his lot. He did not seek worldly glory. Contentment is a great aid to the Christian and it is a help to us in exercising the grace of meekness within Hebrews 13 verse 5 let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have for he hath said I will never leave thee nor forsake thee be content with what you have and remember this you have God and if we have God we can face the future, whether we be rich or poor. Be content with such things if you have. Content, satisfied. Listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Not that I speak in respect of one, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I've learned. There's a lesson for us to learn. Are you learning? That contentment. Well, that contentment will help you in humility. 
or it can be the absence of experimental Christianity. We can be the hearer of the word, but not the doer. Puritan Thomas Watson wrote, It is not enough for Christians to hear their duty, but they must learn their duty. It is one thing to hear, and another thing to learn. I remember back at Horticultural College in Kent, the teacher would show us how to do grafting, and we would have to watch carefully. And it was right for us to watch carefully, because we had to use a very sharp knife, we had to hold it in the right way, and then we had to make the incision in the bark. We had to do it just so if we were to make a good graph on the tree. Well, we would learn, we would take note, and then we would have a go. Well, we're to be learning, and then there's to be activity. We hear a contentment, we're to practice contentment, being satisfied. David was satisfied. He was content. He was not ambitious of worldly glory. He was content and he was humble. He was looking to the Lord humbly. And we know where to be humble. We need to practice humility. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters. But then he also says, or in things too high for me. He did not seek to engage himself in endeavouring to know what was above him. That which he could not know or understand. Listen to John Gill. Not things above his, his capacity, out of his reach, which are secret or not clearly revealed. No. We see his humility here. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Here's the believer then, humbly looking to the Lord. There's certain things we don't understand. And we look to him. There's many things we'll never be able to take in. As we consider he is infinite. Things too high for us. We humbly submit to the Lord. There are the secret things. Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever. The secret things. And there are the secret things. The Lord does not have to give us an answer here below in a particular trial. We know that all things work together for good, but we may not know certain aspects where we humbly submit. Or in things too high for me, neither do I exercise myself in great matters. Or in things too high for me, I'm not ambitious of worldly glory. I'm content. And I'm looking to thee, Lord. There's many things I will not fully understand in eternity, let alone here upon earth. I humbly look to thee. And when we consider God, his greatness, his wisdom is infinite, his understanding is infinite. As we sing of in Psalm 147, when we consider his providence, it's the dark and mysterious things of providence, but all things work together for good. When we consider this, 
Do we not find ourselves humbly sitting before him? What a great God he is. How wise, how holy, how powerful. Can we be but humble before him? Humble in his presence. Humbly walking day by day with him. Remember, we are to walk humbly with our God as we see in Micah. Oh, consider him. How can we but walk humbly with him would be our consideration, but pride can arise in the heart. We can think ourselves, well, we're better than others. Look at what we're doing. Even in religious exercises, how can we have such pride when God is our companion? Oh, here's David. He's a humble man. Oh, to be humble. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Things too high. Certain providences we do not understand or fully understand. We know it's God's will, but there are dark things. Maybe something in your life, your situation before you the workplace or in the family. Why has this happened? It's not easy, is it? David faced perplexing situations. We're to look humbly to the Lord and leave it with him. Our understanding is limited. We're to humbly look to the Lord and we are to submit. Isaiah 55 verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And we need to humbly say to him, thy will be done. So that's the first evidence of his humility beyond those words, Lord, my heart is not haughty. But then notice verse 2. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. And here again is a sign of humility. Think of a weaned child. When we think of weaning, one is the little one is moved away from the milk to the solid food which is needed. And when one is weaned, the little one is quiet and not crying out for the milk. No, they've received the new food and there's submission. There's contentment. This is the food now. The child looks to the mother whom they depend on, waiting for the next meal, these new meals. The child has been weaned, not crying out for the milk, but waiting for the mother to bring this new food each day to them. Where David was as a child weaned of his mother, in humility he's looking to the Lord in submission and quietly waiting for the Lord to make known his will, for the Lord to provide, for the Lord to direct. He's like a winged child, waiting. And that's a sign of humility, isn't it? Waiting, waiting before the Lord, humbly trusting him, submitting to divine will. How are we living at this present time? Surely I have behaved and quieted myself 
as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Here's my heart, Lord. I'm patiently waiting. I will trust thee. I haven't got the answers, Lord, but thou hast. Thy name is Jehovah Jireh. Thou dost see and see to it. I'm humbly waiting before thee. Turning to those words in Micah 6 verse 8, he hath showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child, is the psalmist. He, he's singing these things before the Lord. He's saying these things before the Lord. He knows the Lord is looking on. Here's my heart, Lord. I humbly look to thee. The Lord's looking on. Here's my heart, Lord. I've got nothing to boast of. I am what I am by the grace of God, said the Apostle Paul, and we are, aren't we? We are what we are because of the grace of the Lord. We've got nothing to boast of. Lord, my heart is not haughty. But the first word is humility. Moving on, secondly, hope. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Now consider the psalmist. There's this humility in his heart. At this present time, meekness is flowing around his soul. And he's focused. He's focused on the Lord. And he's hoping in the Lord. And you know, it's a blessing, isn't it? When we find ourselves at the feet of Jesus. There we are humbly looking up to him. And we're looking. Our expectation is in him. We're not resting in ourselves. We're resting in him. For the psalmist, he was hoping in the Lord. He was humble and he was hoping. And he desired that others would hope in the Lord. Verse 3. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. David hasn't got all the answers. But the Lord has, so his hope is in him. Let Israel hope in the Lord is his exaltation from henceforth and forever. David had learned to quietly wait upon the Lord. And this had helped him to hope in him. Now pride, as we follow this through here, is a great enemy to hope. For when one is proud, they look to themselves and not the Lord. Let me just use an illustration here. When pride arises in your mind and you speak in a proud way, are you thinking of Jesus at that moment? You know the answer. But when we're humble in a situation, do not we find ourselves often looking to the Lord, waiting upon him, hoping in him, well, consider here firstly, it's hope in the Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord. The word hope, to wait, to be expecting. We're in expectation of the warmer weather, aren't we? If the Lord spares, we will arrive at the spring. Some have said that we come to the spring when we only have to look outside. It's winter still, isn't it? 
But we're in expectation because God is faithful. The springtime comes, the winter comes. The Lord is faithful. We have this hope, this expectation. Well, our hope is in the Lord. We have this expectation in him. We're so weak, but he is so strong. We humbly look to him. What a blessing we're looking. We recognize his power and his greatness. Dear brethren, we can wait upon him. We can be in expectation. Jeremiah wrote in Lamentations 3, verse 24, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. He belongs to you. He belongs to me. And what a God he is, we can hope in him. Look to him. Consider him. He is God. He is sovereign over all. He's working out his purposes for our good. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. All things, that difficult thing as well, that testing providence is part of the all things. And he will work all things together for good to them that love God. He will, we can hope then. We can be in expectation now David exhorts all the people of God to place their hope in the Lord. Let Israel hope in the Lord. Let Israel, oh, we think of the people of God here. Dear brethren, let's all hope in the Lord. Let's all battle with our sin. Let's all deal with pride when it arises in our hearts that we might all place our hope in the Lord. We can let each other down, can't we, through pride? Let's not let each other down through pride. Let's collectively be at the feet of Jesus, looking up and placing our hope in him. Don't be left out. Don't allow pride to arise in your heart and leave you out. Oh, let's all hope in the Lord. Let's all be at the feet of Jesus. Let the church hope in the Lord. Let us wait. Let us be in expectation. Let's not look to ourselves. We place our hope in the Lord. You see, when pride arises, we're looking at ourselves. And that's not going to help. Looking at the Lord. That's going to help, isn't it? Let Israel hope in the Lord. Let's all be on the ground looking up to Jesus. That's the best place to be, isn't it? There was much to discourage. We can find the way heavy going. Let us hope in the Lord at such times. The psalmist said in Psalm 43 verse 5, Why art thou cast down O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. There's a remedy. If you're cast down, we do get cast down at times. The sweet psalmist of Israel, he was cast down. There was disquiet within the remedy, hope in God. Look to his word, believe the promises. Psalm 119 verse 49, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. We look to the Lord and the Lord has spoken through his word and we read the word and there are the promises and we're able to place our hope in the Lord. 
Now what do we read as we draw to a close in the third verse? Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. <coughs> Lovely words, henceforth. It means what it means. Henceforth and forever. As far as ever looking. Daily looking to the Lord. Just pause there. How we need to be involved in experimental Christianity day by day. If we're to be daily looking to the Lord, we've daily got to do something else. And that's deal with our sin. Because sin is a hindrance at times in looking to the Lord. And as you follow this psalm through, pride is a hindrance to you looking to the Lord. If we're to be placing our hope in the Lord from henceforth, let me battle with sin each day. Let me say no if a proud thought comes to my mind. Seek to get rid of it. If you're about to speak and suddenly you know and the Lord has given you a conscience, this is going to be for me. Don't say it. If you're about to do something and you know it's pride, don't do it. Walk away from your hand of pride. That you might put your hope in the Lord. Wait upon him day by day. Wait upon him all your days. Psalm 71 verse 13. Let them be confounded and consumed at their adversities to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonour that seek my heart. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. It's my testimony. I'm going to do it tonight as I come to the Lord in prayer at this prayer meeting. And if the Lord spares, I'm going to do it tomorrow. I'm going to humbly come to the Lord in prayer tonight and on the morrow and day after day because I want to place my hope in him. I will hope continually. I will, Lord. Therefore, I'm going to humbly get down at the feet, at thy feet, Lord Jesus. In humility, place your hope in him. Turn from self to God. Lamentations 3, verse 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. There's the child weaned, waiting. There's the humble child waiting, the child of God waiting and placing their hope in the Lord. Let's be as children, waiting upon the Lord. And brethren, our hope will not be disappointed. We will disappoint ourselves. You know how it's been at times. You've done something in a proud way. And the Lord has come. Thou art the man. Thou art the woman. Why did you do that? Why did you say that? And what do we find ourselves disappointed with ourselves? But with God we'll never be disappointed. And our hope in him will not be disappointed. God will never fail us. Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Well, here's David, and he's humble. And he exhorts the people to look to the Lord, to wait to him. Wait on him. Let us all be at the feet of Jesus, looking to the Lord. That's the best place to be, and that's the best thing to do. And that's the way forward for us as individuals and as a church. 
hoping in the Lord. I was in Scotland a few years ago, and the minister said this, the Reverend Malcolm Watts, the Lord has surprises in store, and he does. So let's focus on him, because he answers, doesn't he? As we read in God's word, above what we think or Lord, my heart is not haughty. Here's my heart, Lord. I'm looking to thee. I'm trusting in thee. My hope is in thee. I'll be disappointed with myself, but I will not be disappointed with thee. Well, these two words, humility. It makes us more like Christ, doesn't it? And then the second word, hope. It causes us to focus on him. Our hope will not be disappointed. Or as we consider the psalm tonight, all get closer to Christ. Seek to be more like him. And dear brethren, can I say this in conclusion? Trust him. You think of little children. They come to the teacher. And they kneel down on the ground at the teacher's feet. And they listen intently, in expectation. Well, let us, as God's children, be at the feet of Jesus, having this childlike expectation in him. For his name's sake, amen. Let us pray. Oh, gracious God, help us as we deal with our sin. We are told to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Help us, O oh Lord, to be putting to death, saying no. Lord, help us to deal when pride arises in our hearts. O oh Lord, we all know what that battle is. Help us to say no to such proud thoughts. Help us to think before we speak and before we act. Oh, Lord, help us to act in sincerity, to speak in sincerity, to think with humility within. Bring us daily to the feet of Jesus. Bring us to the feet of Jesus before we speak or act, oh, Lord. That's where we want to be. For it's such a blessing, Lord, to be at the feet. Lord, we don't deserve any other place, but, Lord, it is the best place. To be at the feet looking up, Lord. Lord, we miss so much at times when we're not at the feet of Jesus and we're looking at ourselves. Forgive us, O oh Lord. And may we humbly be there, placing our quiet confidence in Thee. O oh Lord, we will trust Thee. We will place our hope in Thee. We thank Thee, O oh Lord, when Thou dost turn our eyes in the world. When thou dost turn our eyes from self and our pride, and we are found looking to thee. O oh Lord, may we look unto Jesus as we run the race. May we lay aside the sin which doth so easily beset us, and Lord, that sin also of pride. So easily besets us, Lord. Help us to lay it aside, that we might follow Christ more closely. Oh, Lord, we place our hope in thee. We know, Lord, thou hast surprises in store for us as individuals, 
And as thy people in this world, we will not be disappointed. Therefore, we will not lean on ourselves tonight. We will lean on thee. O Lord, hear our prayer. For Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. We turn to our second praise, Psalm 130, particularly thinking of this hoping in the Lord and this word in this psalm, Psalm 130, the Judas verses 1 to 8. Lord, from the depths of thee I cry, my voice, Lord, do thou hear, and to my supplications voice give an attentive ear. Lord, Lord. 